G'day and welcome to Property Australia's favourite obsession. My name's Jeremy Counted and this is the podcast where I get to talk about one of my favourite topics and it's one that Australia is and always has been obsessed with and that of course is property. This is a quick hits episode, but I will, of course, be back next week with another full episode of Property, Australia's favourite obsession, where I have a very, very interesting conversation with innovation specialist Carla Dewozowicz. Now, we know that productivity drives profitability, and this increase in profitability will be used to bid up the price of real estate in the best locations. This is what this podcast is all about, is showing you how this happens in so many ways so that you can recognize it occurring for yourself. But the thing with productivity gains is they're often driven by innovation. Because as humans, we're wired to innovate. We want to create more with less, more output, less input, less effort. And as my discussion with Carla shows, our desire to innovate as a species ensures that property will continually become more and more expensive. But today, we're talking about the very important topic of record keeping for investors. Now don't groan, I know it's not the most exciting of topics, but it is so important. Because as landlords, we wanna make sure that we're eligible to claim all of our deductions, but we also need to ensure that we are compliant. And doing so takes just a little bit of effort on our behalf. So to help us navigate the record keeping maze is none other than chartered accountant and good friend of PAFO, Craig Shirley from Cass Accountants. Craig, welcome to Property, Australia's favourite obsession. Oh, thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Craig, record keeping. We all groan, we all moan about it, but it is an important part of being an investor, isn't it? Uh, unfortunately, it is, um, particularly on long-term investments, which most people, property is a long-term investment for them. So what sort of records do we need to keep as investors? All right, well, if we start at the beginning when you purchase a property, you obviously have the contract of purchase um, and solicitor's fee, settlement statement, and all the paperwork that is entailed with buying the property. So you should definitely hold on to all that. Um, even if you own the property for 20 years, you should have that safely tucked away somewhere. Um, the next thing which happens to a lot of people is they might buy a property which we'll just use the buzzword of renovate as the line and they have to do a lot of work on it before they can make it available for a tenant. In a circumstance like that, what often happens is you can't claim it against rent because it was before you were available to rent the property out and it's part of the cost base. But 20 years later when they go to sell the property, they have no memory of what they spent on what spruce the place up. So it's important that if you are in a situation where you do have to do significant works to the property after you've purchased it and before you make it available for rent. And that can be the case, Craig, too, can't it, for capital expenditure that is um, spent on the property rather than, um, you know, maintenance uh, that's spent on the property that can be expensed. Yeah, correct. Like if you um, were to put a new fence in or... um, add an air conditioner where there was none in the past. You definitely need to keep your records for that. And for the most part, that just comes to you know, invoices and receipts from the suppliers that provided these services. Um, <clears throat> often, with if you put in an air con after you've got a tenant, you can generally depreciate that. The real black hole here that everyone forgets about is between when you bought it and when you tenanted it. If there's a gap in that period because you have to fix the property, 
the ATA will not allow you to claim that as a rental expense and they expect you to add it to the cost base of the property for capital gains and pretty much everyone forgets about it because, you know, when they sell the property 20 years later and I as the accountant say, all right, well, you know, tell me about all the expenses you had when you purchased the property. They either can't remember it at all or they know they did it but they have no idea what they spent and they can't prove anything. Mm. So you do need to keep, like, I don't know, tradesman's invoice for landscaping, for instance. Um, you do need to park that one away in your file with the original buy document for your 20 years. So now that we've sort of covered the initial purchase, we then have, now you're running the property, and I'm going to assume it's being run as a rental investment property classic setup. So every year you'll have things like loan interest, agents fees. Agents almost always provide a statement, so you should have that pretty easily accessible, and your banks will provide statements as well, so that's pretty easily accessible. The only time you run into problems with banks is when you close a loan, i.e. pay it out, they tend to just delete it off your net bank. So now in order to get statements, you have to put in a formal request. Mm. So it's a good idea to access that info before you close it. Um, and you're chugging along. Um, most of the things during this period will be pretty obvious, like council rates, water rates, sell, you know, bills come out in the mail. It's pretty easy to keep tab on them. You need to keep these records for five years. The ATO audit window is now only two years unless they know you've done something very naughty. Um, so the general audit window is two years, but they still have the five-year record-keeping requirement. So if you wish to claim council rates against your rental property, for instance, um, you should keep that rates notice for five years at the very least. So we're talking about um, that's what we've claimed in our tax return, so five years, yeah. but all those capital costs, um, we want to keep, keep them that. until we actually dispose of the property itself. Keep anything that is considered a capital cost, keep for the lifetime of the investment. Mm. Mm. You know, create a nice little safe folder that's you know, not going to let water and air get anywhere near the documents and tuck it away somewhere safe. Oh, don't laugh <laughs> about that. We had a safe in a cellar once and... Uh, Unfortunately, um, when we had some renovations being done, the cellar flooded and uh, consequently the safe flooded and um, caused a bit of damage to some documents that were in there. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that would be problematic. And look, we often find, particularly with um, receipts, that they, the ink on them you know, fades very quickly. Um, mm. But normally proper invoice should um, last the duration if you avoid it getting weather damaged um, or coffee stained or just lost. Um, so, um, in terms of record keeping, that's basically the gist of it. I would say anything that is original purchase or capital, keep for the lifetime of the investment, and anything that's claimed on an annual rental schedule as part of your tax return, keep for five years. So then, of course, we come to selling the property. Yep. Well, you have your contract for sale and settlement statement and invoice for you know agents, commission, and advertising and solicitors fees, all those things should be kept. Once you declare your capital gain, once again, the ATO will only go back and audit you for two years on a general audit, but if they know for sure that you've done something wrong, they can go back for up to five. So you need to keep your sale records for five years after the sale has occurred. And then now you're five years after the sale has occurred, you've You've declared everything throughout the lifetime of the investment. You can finally 
in that file. Um, you no longer need to keep any records. So when you talk about that file itself, Craig, how should we keep those documents in a, you know, do we keep them in a shoebox, an Excel spreadsheet, or, you know, how, how, how should we keep them? Well, there's different challenges with each way of going. An Excel spreadsheet uh, might be a nice summary, but it is not in itself proof of anything, because you could obviously just make figures up. Um, so source documents is ultimately what it comes down to, but increasingly people have electronic source documents, not paper. Mm. Yes. So um, you can file it electronically, uh, like on a hard drive or something, or literally on a computer. You just got to remember if you throw that computer out, you throw the file out potentially with it. So you've got to remember to back it up um, and transfer it to your new computer or onto a USB or hard drive or cloud storage. So you can go electronically, you can go paper, and I suppose if you want, you could go half each, but then you've got two different yes. sets of records. So I'd probably recommend that you pick one or the other. If you're going to go hard copy, um, it's quite literally, you know, source documents, pieces of paper, and you've just got to keep them safe. And another classic instance where records go missing is when people move houses. Mm, yeah. A tendency to throw out more things than maybe they should have. So um, if you're going to do it the hard copy way, yeah, you're, the onus is on you to keep that safe for the duration that you're required to keep records. What about things like uh, professional record keeping um, things like uh, MYOB and that sort of stuff? Well, the thing with MYOB is, once again, it's not source documents most of the time. Some of these software programs have ways in which you can scan documents into them um, and keep it as a record there. But, of course, you've got to maintain your subscription for the software. Mm, yeah. To be able to Gen so, but generally speaking, a bookkeeping file like MyOB or Zero um, Get you is a good summary. It's similar to the Excel spreadsheet. It's a good summary of what's going on, but generally not proof. Because um, in an audit, the ATO says, well, you've claimed this. We feel that that's incorrect. Please prove it. It's up to you to prove it. So you basically have to pull out a source documentation, whether it's a build contract, a purchase contract, an invoice from a tradesman, an agent statement or whatever. Um, if you just hand them your file file, they're not going to treat that as evidence. Yeah, okay. So we always say that it's really important, um, you know, to, 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 to be professional with your investments, to approach it, you know, not as a hobby, but to approach um, being a landlord as being in the accommodation business. Um, would you concur with that, that it's important that people, you know, do approach this in a professional manner? Well, yeah, I do, particularly when you consider how much people are normally investing in property compared to their total net worth. Mm. There may be some people that a $500,000 property is just a very small percentage of their portfolio. But for the vast majority of people, that's a huge chunk of their life savings. So, yeah, it would behoove a person to treat it seriously, given the, how serious it is. So, and from the point of view of the ATO, they expect you to maintain professional records, getting back to the record-keeping bit. Mm. So being a bit, I guess, flat-dashed with it is probably not a good idea with property. So what about the whole thing, Craig? Um, you know, you're, 
you're my accountant, I give you all my staff, what's your responsibility, what's my responsibility from a record-keeping point of view, and also from the point of view of knowing what's spent on the property and making sure that we get uh, the proper deductions? Yeah, okay. So in terms of whose responsibility is, ultimately everything with the tax system comes back to the taxpayer's responsibility. Now, a good accountant who is serving their client professionally will keep the records that the client supplies them, you know, copied on in manual files or in electronic files. I use electronic files mm-hmm. um, so that they can dig them out if they're needed. That's just part of being professional and you know, providing a good service. However, ultimately, if things go really bad and the tax office is demanding answers, it's the taxpayer who is liable, um, both for the adjustment and any penalties if the ATO considers that you've done the wrong thing deliberately. So while your accountant should be maintaining records, and likewise your solicitor should maintain records of your purchase and sale, whoever the conveyancer slash solicitor has handled that event, mm-hmm. um, the ultimate onus of responsibility always falls back to the taxpayer who owns the property. And obviously, the question that follows from that, Craig, is uh, what happens if we don't keep our records properly? What can be the consequences of, um, uh, you know, of that? Okay, well, the biggest consequence normally is um, poorer tax outcomes than you otherwise would have got because you miss out on deductions or you miss out on cost-based elements you can claim. For example, if we go back to what I was talking about where people spruce up the property and capital improve it, that lose all the records 20 years later, well, now you can't claim it. Mm. You've got no proof of it. So you either don't claim it in the first place or you put it in and the ATO says, please prove it. You can't prove it. It gets knocked out. So in effect, that's increased your capital gain and you've paid more tax on the property than what you would have if you had kept those records so you could back those claims. Likewise, on an annual rental statement on your tax return, if you, for instance, had a repair that was done to the property, new smoke alarms or something that happens all the time, you know, and you got an invoice for 660 say, for sake of argument, from the tradesman that repaired it, well, if you claim that as a deduction, if you can't back it up, ultimately the ATO will just cancel it. Yeah, yeah. So um, it, it's a, the system is you claim you have to substantiate your claims. So if you can't substantiate your claims, they just get rejected. So you're effectively paying more tax than you otherwise would have by not keeping your records. Um, in the event that you've kept no records at all, um, you know, it's just a complete mess, you run the situation, uh, the risk, sorry, I should say, that the ATO will guess your figures for you. Um, and they're always going to guess figures um, that are in their favour, not yours. Mm, mm. Certain things like they know what you sold the property for. Yeah, yeah. And title tells them that. So if you've lost your sale contract, well, they will know that. Um, other government departments will know what you paid for it. So if you can't find your original purchase contract, you can call land titles in your state and dig up the records from however many years ago. Um, so what, what sort of ter- determination would they make on um, uh, interest deductions and that sort of stuff? Or would they just say, no records, no deduction, end of story? Uh, it depends on the circumstance. Um, 
if you can't prove anything at all, even you had a loan on it, then there is a chance that they'll just say, no documents, no claim. Mm -hmm. However, if there is proof that you did have a loan, you might, for example, have lost all the statements for the year in question, um, but you've got proof that you did definitely borrow money for that property, then they'll probably just deem an interest rate. But whenever they do deeming, they tend to deem figures that are, shall we say, very conservative. Yeah. So the real rate would have almost certainly been better um, or higher. Um, fortunately, with something like loans, you can, unless the bank that you borrowed the money from has disappeared or gone bust or something, you can contact the bank and they will provide old statements from the past. So if you need, to, if you're having substantiation issues with loans, you can almost always solve that problem if you're prepared to write the bank, pay a fee and wait a time. Um, it's more, the records that tend to always go missing are more smaller one-off ones, like tracings, invoices, yeah. um, clean fees, you know. You had to really clean the place up after a tenant. It was, you know, not looking very good, so you had to get new carpets and all that, and then you lost those invoices. What about things like so, depreciation schedules as well, Craig? Um, you know, that obviously is um, super important for us to uh, to keep a copy it of. It is. It is, but only applicable now if you buy, you're the first owner, uh, sorry, the first owner of the property. So it has to be either bought off the plan or basically built to order. Um, you can then depreciate one from the past, like when people bought properties three or four years ago, you could depreciate any property that was under 40 years old. Mm. Now, it's strictly limited to people who buy brand-new properties. Um, you definitely should get a depreciation report in those circumstances. Um, it does reduce your cost base, but the claims on the go generally greatly outweigh that. Mm. Um, the depreciation report in itself is the substantiation. The government has pretty much given these quantity surveyors a licence to do these things to be accepted as substantiation. Um, and the onus is once again on you to keep this thing. So you should basically keep the document for the lifetime that you own the property. Uh, and that it in itself is substantiation. So you just need to keep that document. Normally they're provided electronically now. Um, so if you want a hard copy, you'd have to print it off. Um, and your account should have a copy as well. So you should have a copy, your account should have a copy, and the quantity surveyor that did it will have a copy. So... Assuming the quantity surveyor has not gone bust and they still exist as a company, you will be able to get a copy off them if everyone else has managed to misplace their copy. So it sounds pretty simple in a lot of ways, isn't it? That at the end of the day, you just need to be organised. Um, you need to treat it professionally. You need to ensure that you're on top of your record keeping because you know, we love the, the property side of it. Most people love the, the adventure of, of looking and, and sourcing a property. Um, yeah. And they enjoy the, um, you know, being a landlord as such, um, the collecting of the rent and, um, you know, seeing the valuation of the property uh, increase yeah. in value over time. But, you know, that record keeping side of things, sometimes, you know, it's not so exciting. It's not really um, a lot of people's cup of tea, but it is so important. And as you said, it's such a massive part of the substantiation um, of any claims that you make that you just really have to be on top of it. Yeah, it's just one of those necessary evils. Um, I agree with you. No one finds paperwork and record keeping particularly exciting, but 
um, in the end, no one likes um, missing out with the tax system either. So it's worth your while doing it. Craig, I do appreciate your time. Um, if people want to get in touch with you uh, to know a little bit more about CAS accountants or uh, might have some questions with regards to their own personal situations, uh, how's the best way for them to go about that? Uh, well, the office phone number is 0395533800 and the general email is admin at casaccountants with an S on the end, .com.au. And casaccountants.com.au is your website. I'll put those details in the show notes. Is there anything you think that we might have uh, missed uh, today that you'd like to add? Yeah, I will add one thing. It's not necessarily about record keeping, but it's come up a lot in the last couple of years. Is People really need to make sure when they buy a property that it's in the correct name. Yeah. That's the very first record. Unfortunately, a few taxpayers recently have run into problems with they thought they held it in a trust, but that's not how it was. The paperwork was prepared in the first place, or they thought they held it in a company. So it is really important when you are doing your initial legals to get your property purchase up that you make sure that the property is in the name of the correct person or entity that it is supposed to be in. That is a super handy um, tip there, Craig, because yeah, I've seen that happen before. And uh, it's a very costly mistake to to rectify. Um, oh, yeah, indeed, if it even can be rectified. Mm. Um, so. All right. Well, thank you for having me on, Jeremy. Excellence. Always good to have you, uh, have you, Craig. Of course, we'd love to help you on your property journey, so feel free to get in contact with us. So I'm Jeremy at pafo.com.au. Pafo, of course, is the acronym for Property Australia's Favourite Obsession, and you can catch us on Facebook, Instagram, and now Twitter. We've just started our Twitter handle. That, of course, is Pafo Pod. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a rating or review for property. Australia's favourite obsession. I've been your host, Jeremy Cownan, and until next time, Craig, let's keep obsessing about property. Any opinions or recommendations expressed should be considered general in nature, as they do not consider your personal objectives or financial circumstances. You should therefore consider these matters yourself before deciding whether the advice is appropriate to you and if you should act upon it. Should advice be sought, please seek an appropriately qualified advisor. Investing may not be appropriate for everyone, as there is inherent risk and the possibility of loss when investing in financial assets, just as there is the possibility of profits. While useful for identifying patterns, history and past performance do not guarantee future performance. Calvin Flack has a commercial relationship with guests appearing on this production.